0: listening to the faithology podcast with John Barrett where you'll hear great ideas, interviews, and inspiration to help maximize your spiritual growth. Hey guys, I'm John Barrett and we are back once again on the Faithology Podcast. It's so great to have you here. I am so excited about today because we are going to break down a great verse The Bible, a great chapter in the Bible. We're going to go verse by verse and really unpack it today for you. So you're going to get some great, great stuff today. I'm excited about it. And thanks so much for listening. Again, if you've not listened to the other podcasts, make sure you go back and check them out. There's quite a few other ones that you can get some great context and some great content to help you level up your faith and begin to do great things for God. So guys, let's jump right in today. I want to talk about a miracle of Jesus. Because in the miracles of Jesus, I believe that there is a miracle for us. That's right, that in the stories and in the miracles that Jesus performed, there is a miracle awaiting for us in the principles and in his word. You see, when we begin to dive into the word, the word begins to dive into us, and it begins to draw out so many great things, and we truly experience the miracle power of God when we get into his word and we really get it into us. You see, it's not just about getting into the word. It's about the word getting into us. But when we get into the word, the word gets into us and makes a difference. So, guys, today we're going to do this. So let's um, jump in your Bible to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I want to read these to you, and I want us to break these down verse by verse, and really get some great stuff today. So let me start with just reading to you the whole passage here of the whole water-to-wine miracle that Jesus performed. It was his very, very first miracle. So this is pretty significant. So let's read. John chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned in the wine. And he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed him. Wow, what a story we have of the water to wine. You probably heard about this story. If you grew up in church, then you know this story. You've heard it. Even if you didn't grow up in church, we've all heard about sort of the water to wine. But what's significant about this is that it's Jesus' very first miracle. And I think this is interesting that it's his very first miracle, and it's kind of ironic here because why on your very first miracle, I mean, the very first one where you're going to expose your, your power and your ability and your kingship and your godship and everything that you are, why does he choose to turn water into wine? I mean, if it were me, I would think that I would want to start the, the, the unveiling of my power through something amazing like the healing of somebody who was crippled or a blind man or the parting of the Red Sea or just something that was going to be huge life-altering. But yet Jesus, is cho- Jesus chooses to do a miracle of just kind of comfort. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, okay, they, they ran out of wine. Boo-hoo, right? I mean, this isn't life or death. I mean, the world's not over. I mean, your life isn't altered because you ran out of wine. Okay, sorry, too bad. Tomorrow you can get some more. You'll be okay, right? So why did Jesus decide to do this water to wine when it seems like it was almost very insignificant in the grand scheme of what he could have done? You know, I heard some theologians, and I think this is pretty good, they have a theory on this, and and it it, it goes like this, that, Jesus chose his first miracle so that it would lay the foundation of his grace and compassion. You see, Jesus cares about every little thing in your life. So many times we think that Jesus only cares about the huge, big things, but the reality is, is that he cares about you so much, even the little things. And a lot of theologians believe that he was laying the foundation of his ministry with grace and compassion, that he met a need that was just so practical, that was just so basic. But it was showing that his, his lordship and his power would be one, that he would never overlook anything insignificant in your life, that he knows every hair on your body, that he he looks after you and he loves every single need and everything in your life. And I think that's pretty Interesting. That Jesus would cho- choose to do this water to wine to be his very first miracle. And I do believe that it was one of compassion. Where Jesus understood that, hey, there's a party going on. This is a big day in someone's life. And is it life altering? No. But you know what? I love them enough that I'm going to show my power and provide for their every need. And I think that's pretty interesting. Interesting. You know, if you really think about this in culture, there were actually ramifications that if the bridegroom would run out of wine, that there was actually legal ramifications actually of this. I mean, think about it. And In our culture, that seems pretty insignificant that, hey, you run out of some food at a party, no big deal, right? Okay, you go get some more. But in that culture, for whatever reason, when they would run out of wine, that was a sign, and and, and there would be legal ramifications of that. And so Jesus was not only looking out for that basic need, he was also seeing the domino effect of what this could have done. And so he met that need. He met that comfort need, but he also met the domino effect need, knowing that this could cause some trouble down the road. And he had so much grace and compassion that he just took care of it right there on the spot. I want you to know that God loves you, and he is looking out for your every need. Nothing goes unnoticed with him. So let's begin to break down these verses, and I'm just going to kind of pick some out of here, and we're just going to break them down. So let's start in verse 2. It says that Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So I want you to know this, that if you want the miracle power of God to work in your life, you've got to invite Jesus into your circumstances, That's right, you've got to invite Jesus into your day. You've got to invite him into your life. See, Jesus may have never went to this wedding unless the fact that he was invited to go to it. I mean, he may have never even been there. They could have missed the miracle power of God because he was never invited. But he was invited, and because of that invitation, something miraculous happened. Then I want you to know that, that you've got to invite God into your life every day. That when we wake up in the morning, that we've got to turn to God. You see, we would never uninvite God intentionally, I'm sure. But you know what? We do so unintentionally so many times. I mean, think about it. When something happens in your life, is God the first thing that you run to? When there's a need in your life, when there's something going on or when something even good happens, do you begin to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you. This was because of you. I mean, are you inviting him into your life every day? You see, when we wake up in the morning, we need to sort of knock on the door of heaven and say, Lord, good morning. Lord, I'm here. I'm yours. I I want you to do something amazing in my life. I invite you into my day to lead, to guide, to protect, to to show your power through me today. Are we doing that, guys? You see, so many people, and they wake up in the morning, they have their routines, right? Some people just need coffee, right? You know those people that are going, I just, I got to have coffee. I'm nothing without my coffee in the morning. And I think, yeah, but w- what about Jesus? Are you nothing without Jesus in the morning? Just like we run to our coffee or the newspaper or, or we run to our email or whatever routine is that we have in the morning then we wake, we wake up and we go to, I want to challenge us, and this is a challenge for me, that Jesus is the first thing that we run to, that when we wake up in the morning that we invite him into our day and that we need him more than anything. Listen, if you begin to invite God into your life, you're going to begin to experience him in even greater ways. So that's the challenge here in this principle is that Jesus was invited to the wedding. We've got to invite him into our life. Verse three, check it out. It says, when the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now I was thinking about this when I read the Bible because this is kind of how I read the Bible, just line by line, and I just think, what does this mean? And I was thinking about this. I thought, wow, have you ever felt empty in your life? Like you were just gone, like you were empty, that, that everything that you had was just depleted. Maybe you, you feel like that right now, that you just don't have enough gas in the tank. Maybe you don't have enough skills for what it is that you want to do, the dream in your heart. Maybe you don't think you have enough opportunity or finances or whatever it is. You don't have enough personality to be the person you want to be. We, we sometimes think we're empty, like we're lacking, though we ran out of what it is that we need. And I think that, that we've got to understand that this is the trick of the enemy. You see, they could have said, we, we, we ran out of wine. Well, all right, shut the party down. Let's go home. They could have given up. But no, Jesus does something amazing in that. And I want you to know that when you feel down to nothing, that God is up to something. You need to hear that right now. When you feel down to nothing, know that God is up to something. He is up to something in the background, doing something, preparing you and getting ready for something amazing. Don't ever feel empty. Don't ever feel like you don't have what it takes because God will give you what it is that you need. And you may feel that way right now like you're empty, but I want you to know, hang in there because God will come through. He was always faithful and he will be faithful again in your life. I promise you that. So check it out in verse 5. So his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So here they are at this party. They run out of the wine. They go to Mary. They say, we're out of wine. And Jesus' mother, she she looks over at Jesus and she says, all right, go to that guy over there. Now, remember, these guys don't know who Jesus is. He's not revealed his his power and his miraculous power. And, And so she just says, see that guy over there? And they're like, yeah. She says, go do whatever he tells you. And I love that word, whatever. You see, if we're gonna experience God, we have to be willing to do whatever God tells us to do, whatever he wants us to do. Just like the servants had to do whatever Jesus said, we've gotta be willing to do whatever he asks of us. You see, whatever can be a risky place, but guys, we've gotta be willing to be there. I've got a question for you. Let me ask you this. Are you just telling God, what you want from him or are you asking him what he wants from you let me ask you that again cuz that's a that's a powerful question cuz that's a convicting question are you just telling god what you want from him or are you asking him what he wants from you how is your prayer life see, many times our prayer is so geared around, Lord, this is what I want you to do, and I need you to do this, and I need you to come through, and will you do that, and will you give me this, and Lord, open up the door for me to do that and do this. And so many times we're telling God what we want from him, but I think God wants us to flip that around. I think God wants us to be more in a humble place of saying, Lord, what do you want from me? Because I'm willing to do whatever it is that you put in my direction. God, whatever it is that you put in my life, I'm willing to go for, I'm willing to use, I'm willing to to step out for you. So I want to challenge you guys. We've got to understand the word whatever and be in a place where we're so willing just to say, Lord, whatever it is. So in verse six, it says, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. You see, I love this. I mean. These servants, they run out of wine, they go to Mary. Mary says, you see that guy over there, Jesus? Yeah, okay, go do whatever he says. So they go over to him, and Jesus notices that nearby there's six stone water jars. And they're the ones that are used for ceremonial washing, right? I mean, these were like, you know, there was probably some dirt in them. I mean, there was some residue for when they cleaned off and all of that. So, I mean, these weren't probably the cleanest jars, uh, uh, you know, uh, around. But these jars are nearby, and I love the word nearby, I love that. That nearby, you see, here's the thing. God will use whatever it is that you have laying around. You see, the miracle took place. God didn't make just water or or wine just appear out of nowhere. He, He didn't just create vats out of nowhere with wine. He used what was nearby. And there were these jars already there. You see, God will use what you've already got. He will use what you've already got. Listen, quit saying you don't have what you need but be faithful to what you've got. Listen, he's not going to give you more if you complain about what you've already got. So many times we say, Lord, I need more. I don't have enough. God, I I, want to be used by you. And it's like, wait a minute. I've I've given you so much already. Have you been faithful with it? And and, and I think so many times we want more, more, more. It's like a kid who, who gets a present and they're grateful for it at first, but then after a little bit, they just want more right like it wasn't big enough now they want something bigger i mean you know you, you, you get him a little mp3 player or something for christmas and it's like oh this is nice but i, I want the computer now you know and then you get the c- computer and it's like yeah but now i want you know the big tv in my room and i want the new uh, you know whatever it is gaming console or whatever i mean right i mean sometimes we can be like a kid with god where he's giving us things to use but but we're we're just wanting more we're not being faithful with what he's already given us Listen, we've got to be spiritually resourceful. That's right. We've we've, we've got to look around us and be faithful to maximize where we're at. We're never going to get to where we need to be unless we maximize where we're at. So you've got to be faithful to where you're at so that God can get you to where he's going to take you. Listen, be spiritually resourceful. It's rarely an issue that you don't have enough resources. See, most people make that an excuse. They say, well, I don't have enough resources. If I had more time, if I had more money, if I had more opportunity, if I had more this or that, then I could really be used by God. Then I could really fulfill my dreams. But you know what? That's a bunch of junk because you're not maximizing what you've already got. God wants to use what you've got. And until you maximize what's nearby, he's not going to bring you more. So it's not an issue of not having enough resources. It's an issue of not being resourceful enough. When you're resourceful spiritually, you'll use whatever you got lying around. You'll be faithful to pick it up. You'll treat little things as though they're big. I see people all the time in ministry that say, you know, I I want a big uh, ministry. I want it to impact just hundreds and thousands of people. And you say, okay, well, what are you doing now? Well, we're just a small group of five, but I just wish it was bigger. I wish we had more people. Wait a minute. Are are you treating that five as though it's a hundred? I mean, are you giving all you've got to make the best experience and do your best with the five that you've got? I mean, why do you think God's going to give you 100 people or 1,000 people if you're not even faithful to the five that you've got? So listen, we've got to be resourceful. I love the old proverb. It says, throw a resourceful person into a river, and he'll probably come out with a fish in his hand. I love it, right? I mean, we've got to have that kind of mentality. All right, verse 7. So Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. I love it. So he uses what it is nearby, and he says, fill the jars. Listen, guys, you have got to give it all you've got. He didn't say "Uh, uh, uh, pour into them about halfway up. No, he said fill them to the brim. I mean, Jesus is saying, you give it all you got. You pour every bit of water out into those jars. And I believe God is trying to say to us that we've got to maximize where we're at, that we've got to keep pouring until it's full. Don't stop. Don't get discouraged. You've got to be patient, guys. We've got to just pour, pour, and pour. Listen, each water pot could hold two to three firkins of water. That's equivalent to 17 to 25 gallons. This means that the six water parts could hold a total of about 150 gallons of water. That's a lot of water that's going to be turned into wine. So listen, we we can't say, well, I don't have any more energy. I've given it all I've got, right? I've, I've given it all she's got, Captain, right? Star Trek, that's for you Star Trek fans out there. All right, sorry, I digress. But anyway, listen, we can't say, I, I've given it all I've got. I have nothing left in the tank. No, we got to keep pouring guys we can't stop we got to keep going and it's not until we pour everything we have out that the miracles begin to flow in our life all right so verse 8 then he told them now draw out some now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet and they did so I love it you got to remember these servants have no idea what's going on they don't know yet that that water is turning into wine they don't know what's going on Jesus says, fill those uh, buckets up with water. They do it. And then he says, now go take it to the master of the banquet. I mean, think about this. They're just obedient, right? They have no idea what's going on. They don't know the miracles about to come, but they do what Jesus asked. You see, I believe that the miracle gets flowing when you get going. Listen, they probably thought, why are we going to serve water? I mean, this isn't wine. Why are we taking all these jars of water to the banquet, to the master of the banquet? They could have pushed back and said, no, we're not going to do that. That doesn't make sense. I want you to know that sometimes things don't make sense. God will ask you to do things and you just go, what in the world am I doing this for? But you've got to be faithful. And when you get flowing or when you get going is when the miracles get flowing in your life. It's when you step out. Faith is about stepping out. Listen, they didn't know it was going to happen. You're not going to know every step of the journey in front of you, but you've got to be faithful to step out anyway. You've got to be willing to do whatever it is that God wants to do. Listen, you do the natural, and God will do the supernatural. You be faithful to do what it is he's telling you to do, and you just be obedient to step out, and God will bring the supernatural. So in verse 9, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. See, I believe that the the miracle of the water turning in the wine didn't happen until the servants were faithful to take it from the corners, wherever the jars were, to the master. And when they took it, that's when the fermentation process started and the water turned into wine. You see, he will take something simple and he will make it sweet when you get going. And what I love about this is that the process of fermenting this water to wine should have taken a long time, but what should have taken a while, Jesus made happen in an instant. I mean, suddenly he'll do it. I mean, he turned that water into wine, that fermentation process instantly, You see, you need to understand that when you're faithful to God, he will do something amazing and he will do it fast. With him, there is favor. It's favor with God, and when you have favor with God, things that have never should have happened will happen. You'll begin to be in places you should never be. You'll be in way over your head. God will expedite what it is that he needs to do in your life because he has favor on you when you get going. If you want to experience the miracle power of God, you've got to be faithful to take what it is he's given you and begin to step out with it. And it's not until they stepped out that that water turned into wine and that miracle took place and the master tasted and it becomes wine. God will take your simple. He will make it sweet. He'll take your ordinary and make it extraordinary because he'll put his anointing and his power and his provision in your circumstance. So verse 10 this is what the master says. I love this. He drinks it. He tastes the wine. And he goes, wow, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. I love that line. You have saved the best till now. You see, I love this. Back then, what would happen is is that they would serve the good wine in the beginning, and when the guests had a little bit too much to drink, of course, they would bring out the cheaper wine because nobody noticed, right? I mean, they didn't really care at that point. They'd kind of start off with a good footing, and then they just kind of let up as they went. But I love how when God does this, that all of a sudden he gives the groom and the bridegroom, he gives them credit, which is amazing. They have nothing to do with this water to wine. And yet the master looks at, at the bridegroom and them, and he says, you guys have saved the best till now. This is amazing. You see, when you have God in your life, you're going to have favor. Listen, God is not done with you. He's saving the best until last. He's going to continue to do even greater things. You've got to look ahead. Listen, make your future better than your past. Get your eyes forward in in, in looking out the windshield of life. Don't look in the rearview mirror of life. Too many people are looking in their rearview mirror and they're looking behind them. They're not looking what's in front of them. And I'm here to tell you that God is not done with you. God wants to keep your eyes forward, looking through the windshield of your future and saying, Lord, I'm believing you, that you're saving the best to last, that you're not done with me, but God, you've just begun. You're just starting to do something amazing in my life. And I want you to know that you need to hear that today. God is not done. God has got even greater things for you in the future if you will begin to look out the windshield and not in the rear view mirror. Get your eyes forward. I love what our president Ronald Reagan said. I mean, talk about a time when our country was going through so much. And look what Reagan said. He said, our best days are yet to come. Our proudest moments are yet to be. Our most glorious achievements are just ahead. You see, Reagan knew how to keep the country's eyes looking forward. He, he was an optimistic man of vision, and he kept the country's eyes forward because he always kept saying our best days are ahead of us. And I believe that, that that's what the Lord is saying to us, that he's saying your best days are ahead of you just like this water turned in the wine and it would save the best till the last, God is gonna do something in your life, in your future. I want you to start believing it, guys. I want you to understand that that God's gonna do something amazing, that miracles are on their way in your future. And like I said earlier, I love how the bridegroom gets credit for the wine, right? I mean, not that we wanna take credit away from God, but Jesus and his compassion, I mean, he just lets them have favor, right i mean the the master says wow you guys are amazing i can't believe you've saved such good wine till now could you imagine the bridegroom and them they're probably like oh sure okay cool i mean they have no idea what's going on right i mean they're just getting credit for it and i want to tell you that god will open up doors in your life supernatural doors and i'm telling you god will put you in situations and places and he will use you far beyond what you're capable of because god will do the impossible through you And when you do that, you'll be in places, you'll think, wow, in the world did I get here. Guys, I can tell you over the last five years of my life, I'm telling you, God has put me in situations and places and with people that are just way, way, way above me. I mean, they are just light years ahead of me in their success and their abilities and, and all these things, and yet God has given me favor to, to be in those circles and be in those places and be in circumstances where I'm being used in ways where I'm going, how in the world am I here? I mean, the Lord has used me to coach people uh, that, that are in high, high positions of business and leadership and these different things, and, and here I am being able to speak into their life and begin to help coach them into the future. And I'm thinking, wow, Lord, you've given me such favor. Lord, you've done so much in my life, and I don't know how I got here, but Lord, you just opened up the door and you provided the opportunity. I want you to know that your dreams, the things that, that are in your heart to do down the road, and you think, how am I ever going to get there? How am I ever going to do it? I want you to know that when you invite God into your situation and you begin to do these principles like his word says in this story, From Water to Wine, you are going to experience the favor of God. And you're going to begin to see sweeter wines come forth out of your life. You're going to begin to see even greater things happen. You're going to be put in places and situations and circumstances, and you're going to be able to do things that, that are just way beyond you. Because it's God who's doing it. In your weakness, he is strong. So I want to challenge you guys today. Listen, press on. Keep your eyes forward. If you bring Jesus your water, guys, he's going to turn it to wine. Then I hope this helps today. I hope that you're able to to get into the Word of God, so the Word of God can get into you through this passage. I love being able to break the Scripture down like this today. It was just kind of me giving you a window into my Bible study. You know, a few months ago, my wife told me she said, "Hey, let's go through the Book of John together," and uh, you know, and I just started reading it, and we began to read it and kind of talk about it, and I just got stuck right here. I just got stuck in in John chapter 2 and I thought wow these principles are great in here and this is the way I read the Bible guys I just kind of take it verse by verse and I just slow down hopefully today also gave you a model that you can begin to read your Bible by That when you go through the water, don't overlook every single word and just ask yourself, why is that there? What does this mean? What can I extract from that? What is God trying to show me through through this concept and through this word and and through this? Why did he choose to say it this way? Why did he choose to do it that way? And when you begin to dig into your Bible like that, guys, you are going to pull out the meat, as the Bible says, of the word of God. You're going to begin to get nuggets and direction and wisdom and begin to see the scripture come to a whole new life to you today. So I hope this helps. I hope you got some great nuggets. I hope it gave you a model to begin to study the word of God for yourself. Guys, listen, until next time, have a great week. Have a great day, a great month. And God bless you and begin to press in. Bring him your water. He'll turn it to wine. And I believe God's going to do great things in your life. And I speak that over you today. And I believe that over your life and my life. And we just believe God for greater things. Thank you for listening to the Faithology Podcast. To get more of John's resources, visit his website at www.johnbarrettblog.com.